It's episode 160 of Leading Ladies of Corpus Christi, and I'm sitting with Tina Butler and Simone Sanders, who are involved with TAFI, which is the Texas Association of Black Personnel and Higher Education. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, absolutely. Um, I had found out about your organization geez it would have had to have been in 2020 right whenever the pandemic was kicking off and uh then i had always known that i wanted to speak to you ladies uh but prefer to meet y'all in person and then fortunately our mutual friend jen gracia facilitated this and to her i'm forever grateful uh but tina you're actually a co-founder for the chapter here in corpus christi right i am i am um it started back in uh, actually 19, I believe, 95. I started here at Del Mar permanently in 1992. Um, but in 1995, our equity officer at that time, which was uh, Dr. Helen Gurley, uh, wanted myself and another uh, person who was employed, uh, Miss Gloria Reed, to accompany her to a state TAFI conference. Um, and once we did that and just... Um, you know, looking at all the other chapters throughout the state of Texas and things that they were doing, we both mentioned that we needed to come back to Corpus Christi and get a chapter started at Belmont College. Uh, and at that time, <clears throat> excuse me, at that time, we had uh, black faculty who were trying to form a black faculty council. And then here we were trying to form Taffy. So we went to uh, Ms. Lula Hinton, who was uh, going to be the president of the Black Faculty Union, I mean, a group, and said, hey, we just need to come together. It's not very many African-Americans at Del Mar College. And the whole goal for both of the groups was to fill the void for the African-American students uh, here at Del Mar College. Uh, during that time, they did not observe any uh, cultural holidays like Martin Luther King or Black History Month. Uh, we polled several students in our student union um, asking them, you know, what would they like to see on the campus? And many of the African-American students said that they didn't identify with any of the student clubs um, and they would like to see something. And so that's what we began working on, uh, filling the void for the student and observing cultural holidays here. Which is, is huge. And it, so in recent years, we've been seeing more and more celebrations being uh, held for, for these holidays, but back in the mid to late 90s, they weren't around at all. And y'all really took it upon mm -hmm. yourselves to, to bring it. Uh, yes. I mean, so was the reception from everybody just like outstanding? Like they were just thrilled for it. Well, let's just say this. For the student, it, it was outstanding. Yes. And, and the reason why I say that is because uh, when we surveyed the students in the, um, what we call the, uh, the, heritage center which is where the meals and stuff are prepared like cafeteria uh, many students were misclassified in our computer system you know as far as ethnicity um, and some just didn't have you know anything on file at all so when we did ask for a list of african-american students attending delmar and what we call other uh, we didn't get very many but we saw more on campus than what we had on the list so we set up so that we can capture some of those students. Um, but we invited them to the first meeting on a Sunday in our music hall 
at about 3 p.m. And most, you know, people go to church, you know, and our church probably ends at one o'clock or so, and people go out to eat afterwards. But we had over 50 students who showed up. That's a huge turnout. And so we had a program, yes. And so the whole goal of that uh, program, oh, that day was to pair mentors with students who are of the same major as the mentor so that we can follow them from the time that they come to Delmar until they graduate. Um, there were also grants that were available to students um, that many of them did not know about, um, as well as how to read the catalog, um, what reading English and math levels you need to be on in order to take the class and why. Um, so that those were things that we wanted to make the students aware of scholarships, you know, as well as why they have to take a specific class and the order in which they should take them. So we had 32 students out of the 50 that signed up for what we called at that time the Village at Delmar mentoring program. And so that that was shocking to have that many students on a Sunday show up and more than half of them took advantage of the mentoring program. So we were we were ecstatic. So it, it just went from there. Absolutely. Uh, having those kind of resources compiled for you is a huge help rather than having to dig and, you know, find leads. It's not impossible, but it definitely mm -hmm. helps when you have that kind of assistance and trying to move forward at all. And I know that it, it had to have been a huge undertaking for you because y'all were essentially starting from scratch. Right. We were, we were starting from scratch. And since we had a mixture of faculty versus staff, um, it, it was hard. Let's just say some of us had issues with being able to be available to the students during our work hours. Mm -hmm. uh, some of us were required to take vacation time in order to participate on things on campus with the students that's benefiting the college as a whole. Interesting. Yeah. So we did it, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, like I said, it, it, it just continued from there. Wow. Uh -huh. I mean, got bigger and bigger. Oh, well, yeah. And I mean, that just goes to show how committed y'all were to making exactly. this happen. It was so needed and uh, incredible to me that y'all took it upon yourselves saying we, we need this in Corpus because Corpus is notoriously slow, you know, <laughs> with, with a lot of things. You know what I mean? And so the fact that y'all brought it back, I, I, I'm just so thrilled that you did. Uh, Sim yeah. Simone, so you essentially grew up seeing your mom kind of spearhead this movement uh, I mean, what was it like for you, you know, seeing her involved? And then what made you decide, you know what, I, I also want to be just as involved? Um, first of all, I think I was voluntold at the time <laughs> that I had, I had to come, I had to participate. Uh, but no, uh, I think one thing that a lot of people don't understand is um, as far as service, uh, my mom had been doing other service things before that you know so that's just something that you can tell it's, it's in her like she thinks that she's supposed to reach back and help people and that's just the way that she is so i've participated every time that she's had something that she's been on and and i do attribute my spirit for service to her so she did other things like she was on the housing authority board and things like that before she spearheaded you know starting these other service organizations um so to me, it's just like a natural move that, okay, since I'm helping then, and I guess I have always been someone that likes to plan things, I would, you know, of course, 
help her um, if need be. And that's kind of just the, the same path that we kind of took now is, okay, if she's planning something, you know, she'll call me, even if it's for an outside organization. And even though I tell her I have to slow down and <laughs> quit something, I'll still, you know, help or say, oh no, you need to reach out to these people or that people and plan it out this way. Or, or maybe this is a better path to take for this other organization that you're trying to help. Um, so it just, it was just a natural thing to kind of want to take over as well. Um, after she had led it for so long and then it was handed off to, you know, a few other people that became president after her too. Um, I just saw that there was a need for it to be bigger. Like it could be bigger, um, bigger than it is now, even right now too. Um, but we had that guess at the time steam behind us that we had pulled off some major events, even, you know, years ago, uh, 2010, they had a huge conference that she planned and things like that. And I had voiced, you know, hey, we need to follow this steam. We have a following. We have people that want to see, you know, the different things that we do in the community. We need to keep up with that and keep going and moving forward with that. So at a different point in time, she, you know, kind of asked, you know, hey, maybe you should try to be president. And I'm thinking, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that either. But by then I had also jumped on other service organizations and boards too. So it was just like a natural progression to me. Um, just that that's something that if people ask, you know, she's a single mother, we've always done these things together is the way that I see it. That's a, I mean, just, just really, I love hearing stories about how people see, you know, a parent uh, in a position that they really learn from and get a lot from and want to emulate, uh, which clearly, I mean, Tina, with your years of service, uh, I can, I can see why anybody would want to follow in your footsteps. And so for you seeing the progress that Simone has made, um, and all of her organizations and in particular Taffy, I mean, how do you feel about seeing the kind of, you know, changes that have made since she's been on board? Well, I, I must say, I am very proud of my daughter. My, my daughter originally was a very quiet, quiet person <laughs> and, and still is to some effect. <laughs> but, um, you know, just seeing her, you know, in the role, you know, in capacity that she is now, she works for the state uh, of Texas uh, as the regional uh, director uh, here. And uh, wow. some of the, some of the, yeah, some of the, uh, some of the uh, committees that she's on, you know, in the community, uh, as well as, you know, like I, I used to be, and now she's, she's like gone above and beyond me, which is good because you always want to see your children do better than, than you are, which was a reason why not only was she involved, but uh, my friend who also went to Austin, her two girls were also involved. So, you know, when we did, uh, you know, gifts for the homeless or fruit baskets or we're doing preparation for something, we always had our girls there with us so that they can see what we're doing and continue that on one day. So I, I am very, very proud of Simone. Uh, she She's doing a great job with, with the things that she's done. Uh, and I just told her uh, some time ago that she's just like paying me back for all those nights I used to have to stay up and do science projects and help with that kind of mm -hmm. stuff when I should be asleep while she went to sleep, <laughs> you know, but um, 
I'm I'm just so happy to see, you know, how she's doing and the fact like she mentioned, me being a single mother, you know, growing up in housing authority. My my parents grew up in the housing authority and then when I got pregnant, uh, I was a teenage mother and I had my own separate uh housing apartment. Um and and you know, it's it's one thing when you live in housing, but you know, I wanted to break that cycle. And so looking at Simone, I know the cycle has been broken. You know, it won't continue uh, the way it is. And, and she's doing great things. So I'm, I'm just proud that, you know, she looked upon me, you know, in that way and, and it's continued to do uh, provide service to the community. Absolutely. Oh, that was beautiful. Uh, I read this, I guess maybe it was a quote or something the other day. And it said, it's more important and this this could is up for debate obviously but it's it's more important to make your your children proud than it is to necessarily make your parents proud and i thought that that was definitely food for thought yeah. uh and yeah i mean to me it's very you know uh representative you know of the fact that here you right. are you know you made an impression on your daughter and, and you know now that right. like you said a, a cycle was broken Uh, I mean, so both of y'all were presidents of Taffy for many years. And Tina, you actually ended up being like having a term twice by the looks of the, what (laughs) I was reading. Oh, is it more than twice? (laughs) Well, let's just say it never ended. I Mm -hmm. have been president of Taffy for about 15 years. Okay. uh, Since its inception in 96, I'm told. (laughs) (laughs) About 15 years. I mean, they did some research. Oh, wow. I say a different yeah, some we we often get new members, but uh, a lot of them feel that they cannot, I say, produce or you know continue in the steps that I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I've made these connections and these contacts, and what I keep telling them is, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm a life member at the state association, and I'm I'm, I'm in it for the long haul here in Corpus Christi area. Um, and no, everything is not going to be the way it was when I, you know, started. You know, I changed and evolved as the years continued. But at the same time, I know when it's time to turn over, you know, the reign to someone else and be there for them to help and guide them along the way. Yes. Because we always want new and fresh ideas, new and fresh things. Like Simone said, we could be more than what we are. And so the kids are our future. So we have those who grew up with Taffy, but yet we're also mentoring to students outside of Taffy, you know, in our community. And they may look at us one day and say, hey, I want to be just like her. Mm -hmm. You know, I had a a young lady who uh, returned to Corpus not too long ago, um, and uh, she contacted me through LinkedIn, and she said, "Um, I just want to let you know that uh, I'm in town, I'm a lawyer now, I'm married, I have two kids, and uh, I remember when you helped me when I was at Del Mar and you did my hair and I didn't have funding, et cetera, et cetera. So I just want to call and say thank you and let you know what I've become. And wow. I was like, wow. Yeah, I mean, that's just like, and she looked me up, <laughs> you know, on LinkedIn and said, oh, you're still at Del Mar. I've been trying to get a hold to you and stuff like that. So to see that, you know, we're making diff- I'm making a difference in people's lives is, is good because my mother did that for me. You know, she she was at her job with the school district uh, in Central Kitchen for 45 years. But I'm sure she wanted to be more, but she instilled a lot in both Simone and I. 
you know, and so I want to make sure that I pass that on to my daughter as well as others who are not, you know, my biological family. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you have to, in order to be in this kind of service where, I mean, especially kids in higher education, uh, I mean, you, you have to have the biggest heart and, you know, the biggest willingness to, to put in the time and effort, as you've already mentioned, because right. whenever y'all came back, I read a little bit about the history of it, which, by the way, the website is T-A-B-P-H-E-C-C dot org. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a ton- yeah. So there's a ton of uh, information about events and um, how to become a member and all that kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was reading about you know how you guys got started, and um, mm-hmm. I mean it was a lot of legwork initially to determine like mm-hmm. what it was that people were needing and then or you know desiring, and then mm-hmm. you made it happen. And so that that was on campus. But then you just mentioned that y'all have actually extended y'all's reach to beyond. So when when did that take effect? Ooh. Um, I, we we've always done something or some type of initial in the community. Uh, like I was mentioning, Simone and, and my friend's daughters, uh, what we would do back then was uh, put together food boxes for Thanksgiving um, and uh, go to whomever's home that we received a report that they're in need of, you know, mm-hmm. and provide those food boxes. And that that's when Simone and were younger. Um, then we went to the, uh, the mentoring program. Uh, Part of the mentoring program, as I mentioned, is that mentors partner uh, with those who are in the same field that the mentor, you know, graduated from. Mm -hmm. And I actually had, my group were people who were older than me, like my mother's age. So I'm like, how can I mentor a person who's older than me? Good question. Uh, Some of them were returning to work. Uh, You know, after retiring, they returned back to Delmar for a different career. Uh, some of them never got a degree and they now had the time. And so they were coming back to Delmar. Uh, and I know two ladies mentioned how they were classmates of my mother. I was like, okay. So we, the, the individual groups would meet monthly and then the group as a whole, all mentors and, and students would meet um, quarterly. I mean, uh, twice a year. And so often, uh, like I say, Simone is in tow with me that she's there handing out handouts for me or, you know, that she's she's in there some type of way. But again, at the same time, she's listening yes. to what's being said and what's going on. So, you know, to see that, you know, we're passing that on. And then as I blossom into the uh, into becoming president for a number of years, there were other things that we did. And I know what, 2014, Simone, we did the Taste of Soul mm-hmm. um, here on Delmar College campus. But you and might want to go back to 2010 because... Who, what was 10? Well, when we had this huge conference that we decided oh, to... Oh, yes. Corpus, we, by that time, we were also doing work in the school. Like, we had school yes. age children come to this conference that's supposed to be for higher ed professionals. Yes. We already had that connection by that time, if you're talking yes. about, you know, when did we start community work? We yes. saw the lack and the need... And then had professionals that were in, you know, CCISD and other school districts that wanted to uh, work with us or their personal friends, too, and they wanted to help with what we were doing. That's kind of around that time that we were making that connection. We were doing school work back then, going to 
so-so going to different middle schools and things like that, wherever at Driscoll, other people that were part of our group, Driscoll, started doing donations way back then too. And and speaking during Black History Month, like they did this, they went to West Oso and spoke during Black History Month. So we had probably made that connection back before 2010, as far as doing community work, besides the advocacy and other things that we do now, as far as doing outside of higher ed, it would probably be around that time. And and that and she is correct. And I totally forgot about that because in 2010 is when the Taffy Conference, which initially we went to Austin to learn about it and come back, um, it came to Corpus Christi uh, after 20 years. Wow. In 2010, and so I was the conference chair for that one that had returned here after. 20 years. So it was a big weight on my shoulder, but I did have the backing of the uh, Del Mar College. You know, Dr. Escamilla had just arrived to Del Mar. And so um, he is very familiar with Taffy because it was founded in East Texas and he had just come to Del Mar from East Texas. So he knew about our organization. Yeah, so he knew about our organization. Uh, And and we were grateful for everything that he did. And, And it was a wonderful conference. I mean, we had, so what we did was merge the business uh, businesses as well as higher ed um, education institutions in our conference, which is something that we don't normally see in the other cities because that's Fort Worth, Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, and uh, Waco. And so here is only one college and one university over there in Austin as well. There's numerous oh. <laughs> higher ed institutions. So yeah, so that, that was uh, the beginning of branching out and uh, CCISD superintendent allowed the students that we would go to the students, uh, go to the schools to speak to. He allowed the students to come to the conference so that they can see professionals that look like them, you know, and they were ecstatic. I mean, and, and he paid for the conference, the entire conference for the students. And so we had about, what, maybe 30, 30 or 40 from middle school and high school, from CCISD, who attended a state conference with higher education administrators, you know, personnel, et cetera. And then they were able to go back and tell the others what they learned. So it was like planting the seed, you know, for them. And so she's right, 2010 is when we definitely started going into the community. And then after that, 2014, we held an event here on campus uh, at Del Mar, which I believe was the first time uh, of a event of that type and it was well attended and so from there we went to heritage park Um, we started hosting the uh, assisting with hosting the mandela day Mm -hmm. uh, festival that went on for about four years four or five years and then now we're doing the juneteenth uh, event but prior to juneteenth which started in 2018 uh, when the Trayvon Martin incident happened Mm -hmm. um, that's when we really started doing things both on campus and off campus Yes. Uh, And for you to mention that, you know, essentially y'all planted a seed in those kids that attended the conference. I know. I mean, it has to be an amazing thing to to be at something like that and see everybody there. uh, You know, like you said, professionals and people in higher Mm -hmm. education. So what so whenever they would attend the conference, what kind of information would be given to them while there? Well, it was it was different workshops that was held, and one of the workshops we had uh, it was called student leadership, and and since our title is um, 
Texas Association of Black Personnel in higher ed, higher ed students were the only ones who attended mm-hmm. these these uh, conferences. But to have middle school and high schoolers, you know, we even had students from Texas A&M Kingsville who had never heard of Taffy. You know, we had them come as well as well as Tamil CC students. So, you know, just to have them in a room with people who are much older than them, mm-hmm. you know, that look like them and they're all listening to the same topic. You know, leadership was was the main thing that we wanted to instill uh, in the students. And after that, what we started doing was our own leadership camps here on the north side. I'm glad you brought the, this uh, up. Yes, these are yeah. excellent. And so in, in our leadership camps, we covered four areas. Uh, one was leadership. You have to help me, Simone. One was leadership. One was health and wellness. Uh, what was the third one? Education. And then and the, the arts. arts. Mm-hmm. The arts. So we always wanted to end on a fun note. So they got topics in those four areas. So every conference, uh, youth leadership conference here in Corpus Christi, we cover those four areas. Very good. Yeah, I mean, and in addition to uh, the those events, y'all have also done other, like you have other projects going on. So y'all have like reading initiatives, um, the mentoring program, like you've mentioned, but in particular at West Oso High School. Um, talk to me about the reading initiatives and what was the mindset about the books and barbershops, right? Or barbershop books? Barbershop yes. books. Barbershop books. Yes. Um, what... what- and in, in just to kind of tie all of it together, what usually happens, and like she kind of explained before, is is there's always a void sometimes, or or we're wondering why some of the cultural organizations can't come together. So even when we talk about doing the leadership camps, that was you know someone that we know that's a friend of the family, and she's an educator, and she saw a need, and she said, bring in these these students and, and see about doing an all-day event for them. So then that's how we end up planning that. You know, even that, I think the original date on those might be 2012 and 2013 before we had, you know, our first festival in 14. So it's, it's always where someone says, I want to see this happen too, or I feel like we have this need or this void that needs to be filled. And the student leadership camps, it just stemmed from some of her kids that she said she, you know, had some kids that were just, you know, their families were down on their luck or she saw that they were struggling and she wanted something to lift their spirits. So then we ended up planning that, coming up with a name for it, coming up with, you know, all these things that we collaborated with. So the same thing happened with the barbershop books. Um, someone saw a news report on CNN regarding um, the person that developed that program out of New York. And she said, you know, hey, I think this would be excellent here. I think we should make this happen. So that's what usually happens is someone will say, I think we have that same issue here. Maybe we should see about doing that here. And the next, you know, we're fundraising and we're installing barbershop books programs in in different barbershops. Um, And then it came to a point in time where we just said, okay, we saw, you know, what the concept of the program is. Let's expand it a little bit, a little bit. So we even did, you know, little free libraries in mm-hmm. one salon and, and uh, it was a barbershop and salon at one of them. And then we also sat down with Judge Joe Benavides and he said he had, you know, at the time he was handling all of the truancy that was going on. So he said, I want to make them write book reports with their parents. And 
Let's do the little free library there and do that concept. So it, it's always been something where it's filling a void and in, in supplying what the community needs. So that's where barbershop books came from is, is someone suggested it and we planned for it, fundraised for it, got participation from community partners and, and just expanded it ourselves too later on. Um, and we still want to expand it past what it is now um, as far as the amount of barbershops we get into or salons. Um, we targeted, you know, seven, eight, four, and five just because it's known as, you know, the high crime, high teen pregnancy, high gang uh, zip code for Corpus. And that's just like I said, we just kind of took it and ran with it. Mm -hmm. A dropout rate as well. What is barbershop? Dropout. Yeah. Barbershop books, barbershop books in the reading initiatives that we have, um, the concept is that while the young men um, are getting their hair cut by their barbers, they could read one of the books that are supplied in the barbershops. Um, what was done was, um, his name was Alvin Irby. Irby. Um, he had done a study to see if that raised their reading levels by having them read aloud for a certain period of time, um, at least once a week, I think it is the original study that he had out. Um, so he developed that program based on those statistics and numbers for that study that he did. And that was the concept that he came up with was doing the barbershop box books and they would read to their barbers while they're getting their haircut. Um, he said it was um, more impactful too that they keep reading during the summertime. Mm -hmm. so that, um, there was less reading being done during the summer, but hey, they're still going every week, you know, to get their hair cut. As long as they read a book during their session, that'll still keep their scores up. Um, so that was the premise of it. Um, I believe that was all of the research that was done. Mm -hmm. And we were the first in Texas to do it. Yeah, first in Texas. That's why the Call of Time, covered, well, that's not why they covered it, but the Call of Times covered our story. Um, and as a result of that, uh, we received donations from the personnel at, a, at the Call of Times to create another barbershop booth in a different location. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, what I think is so great about y'all is even on y'all's website, it says like, hey, do you have an idea like for outreach or, you know, whatever, um, an event, uh, you know, get with us. We want to know. We want to talk about it. Because like you had said, somebody suggested or noticed there's a void here. Let, let's mm -hmm. uh, facilitate this. Maybe, you know, maybe it'll be a success. Um, and so what's the mindset behind that, you know, kind of opening it up to like, you know, any individual rather than just keeping it kind of internal. You want to take that drink? No, go ahead. <laughs> okay, well, and it's, pre it's pretty much the same thing of what she just said, filling a void. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, most of us are, are in higher ed, so we see the students uh, and, and most of us who are in the group uh, or in key areas here at the institution. And so we see the uh, pitfalls or downfalls of some of the students arriving or, or once they're here or once it's, you know, they're here one or two semesters, you know, so we, we try to keep them, you know, um, active, you know, so that, so that they can continue. But there's a lot of obstacles for some. Yes. You know, and, and many of them are just not ready for college, mm -hmm. you know, just just put it like that, you know. And so what is it that you, you know, you do with these students? And so at the same time, 
We're also involved in other um, nonprofits. Um, say, for instance, we uh, we go to a senior citizen complex uh, during Christmas to provide food baskets to the whole apartment complex. So as a result of that, now we are talking with management and actually we're getting ready to sign an MOU so that we can bring curriculum and programs to 13 of their apartments that they manage in Corpus Christi. Wow. So... Yeah, things that we do uh, with our jobs and outside of our job, we will now be taken to those residents in those apartment complexes. So it's networking and making connections. Yes. And like I say, filling the void. They had no one to do the curriculum there. Uh, they're a new management company and, you know, just trying. But if you have a group that's already doing it, hey, like, how can we work together? Yes. So like you said before, it's always that we're trying to fill a void uh, when we're doing what we do in the community. And if it's working well, then we want to continue with it. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, it seems to me that it, that it really is. I mean, so y'all established a mentorship program at West Oso High School. So well, we're working on West Oso this year. Okay. Uh, we, we plan to do that. Uh, we just had a retreat uh, during the summer. Um, we just elected new officers September of 2021. And so um, since the majority of the time is Simone and I, uh, and as I said, I've, I've been president for I don't know how many years, uh, we've kind of reversed roles. Uh, and everyone says, you two work well, so, you know, y'all just switch. You know, she was the treasurer and I was president. And now I'm treasurer. She's president. Okay. You know? uh, and because we, we like she said, we do work well, but we also need that mediator between us sometimes. Yes. <laughs> I'm coming from old school. She's coming from her age group. You know, so not everyone is on social media. So I tell them we have to have hard copies of things because not everybody goes to social media. Yes. But she's the technology guru. You know, Simone is the one that does our website and, and created our website. I, it's an amazing so, website. Well done. Yeah, she's done a great job. So and, and that's what companies and things like that look at our website. You know, and so, you know, they're techies and texting. I'm like, pick up the phone and call me, please. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am with you, you know? there, actually. So, so we have to look at our target audience when we do that. So that's why she and I, we go back and forth on things, <laughs> you know, but but like they say, we, uh, you know, we do work well. And, and our our whole goal is is to assist. And so uh, some years ago, 2014, I believe, or 2013, I said, hey, we need a motto. And so our motto is we exist to assist. Yes. And that's what we do. Yeah. We do. Without a doubt. Um, I mean, because y'all are constantly looking of ways to, you know, help help other individuals in any kind of way right. that you can. Um, are y'all, Tina, are you originally from Corpus Christi? I am. Okay. Uh, born and raised here. Uh, my mother uh, is not. Uh, my dad is not, but I think they both met here in Corpus Christi. What's really, really interesting is I'm getting to talk to two generations that are involved in the same organization. And in particular, mm -hmm. I want to focus on social media. Has Was mm -hmm. social media a, a difficult thing to implement for Taffy or was it kind of like a seamless transition? Because I know people feel certain kind of ways about social media. It was difficult. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go, Trisha, if you... Um, no, it was difficult because I created it. It was difficult. Well, but, but before that, remember, we had the Delmore site. We well, had Delmore. Social media, it was difficult. I know. It was a struggle because even our parent organization, 
was a little apprehensive about it too. Oh. And I can date it because in my mind, like I was saying, we wanted to expand on what we had done in 2010. We had these national chains that gave us products and in different sponsorships for this, you know, conference in Corpus. We had like Kind Bar when it had just come out. Whoa. It, it, like, yeah, it was, a, it, it was a lot. And so my thing in which you can still see it right now to this day is, okay, we're posting pictures. We're going to tag these sponsors, show them we had their logos out, you know, what you're supposed to do. Or at that time, I didn't even know that's what you're supposed to do, but that was just something I felt like should get done. You're supposed to tell them and connect with them and say, hey, we like having you sponsor. If we have anything else, of course, we're going to call you first in the future. But it was a struggle with our parent organization. They wanted to limit, you know, what we were doing, um, had questions about what was posted, what would be posted. I just remember the conversations and telephone calls after I set up Facebook. It it was a struggle. And Twitter. I set up Facebook and Twitter at the same time. And YouTube. Because we had these awesome videos that Delmar produced of this conference. Why would we not go ahead and take advantage of this not new platform, but for us mm-hmm. as an organization, new platform is YouTube and go ahead and share these videos. So I I say it's a struggle. <laughs> they created all of those things and it was just, you know, it's hard to say, okay, let me just run with it. And then I didn't have any experience in it, but it was a struggle with the parent organization. And I don't think it was internal. I think it was just with our large chapter, with our state chapter. Mm-hmm. It was a struggle. And so after seeing it kind of in the works and seeing how how it can really be utilized uh, as an outreach tool, uh, was everybody more on board? Because nowadays, I mean, everybody has social media. Right. And, and I would have to say, and I don't, I mean, <laughs> I don't know how else to no say. Disrespect. I just saw today where we had shared our T-shirt when we had our first festival. And if you look at our top three sponsors, those are our largest three sponsors right now. I'll say we shared it. We took pictures. I saw the pictures and video. I'm looking at my Facebook memories of where it was shared on that Taffy Corpus Christi Facebook page. I think they kind of let go, but then they didn't go ahead and say, okay, you were right. (laughs) (laughs) What you were doing. That's not what happened. But if you look at who was our sponsors now, if you look at HEB at the top of that T-shirt, yes, top of that T-shirt, that was what we were supposed to do at that time. But um, we don't need anyone to say you were right. I mean, we know those are people that we do now that that love dealing with us and love working with us anyway. Uh, And and, and, we know it was the right move at the time. mm -hmm. And and in a way, I think they have said said we're right in a roundabout way because we attended we're getting ready to go to our state conference this coming weekend and we attended last month the uh, planning committee meeting it's in in Austin and so we have heard via zoom meetings as well as in person that that taffy corpus is what the state should be emulating and things that we are doing and how we're in the community, how we're being active, you know, we're getting coverage. I think even when we did the Black Lives Matter, everything that we do, actually, we try to make it an educational type 
um, event as well as a family oriented Absolutely. event. And so we had all types of coverage, magazine, et cetera, mm-hmm. for that event. And to see over a thousand people uh, show up and the coverage that we had, I mean, news, media, magazines, in corpus, out of corpus, out of state, you know, and to be able to provide, I think we did maybe 13 links to our state association of what Little Corpus Christi is doing versus what the state. And, and so they said, Corpus, you guys are doing a great job. Great job. Wow. I, I attended that event. It, it was a oh, y'all did an excellent job. And like you said, and, and y'all made it educational. Um, mm-hmm. um, the poem that was read was amazing. Yes. I mean, every, everything, uh, just, just moving. Y'all, y'all did an incredible job with that. And, and, and let me just add, Monique Dennis is the one that did the poem. We actually were having a meeting, um, that day that she contacted me, uh, and said, Hey, I've contacted other organizations specifically one that I won't name, mm-hmm. uh, to see if anyone in Corpus is going to do anything in memories of George Floyd. And I say, you know what, we're having a meeting today. I'll make sure to put it on the agenda. And sure enough, we had it again, filling the void for what our community is asking for. She mentioned, she contacted several other organizations and they did, they didn't want to have any part of it. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, this is a learning uh, exactly. uh, opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and the time for everyone together, no matter what color you are, for everyone to come together. So uh, again, like we were saying earlier, that's what we do. We often get calls about something and Hey, what can you guys do about this? And then we just jump into action. Yes. I, I mean, and, and y'all deliver. Um, and I think it's that perspective of we exist to assist, you know, we're trying to be, right. make it as educational as possible, family right. oriented, I mean, mm-hmm. y'all really can't can't go wrong with that. Um, right. And I want to backtrack on something I said. I said everybody has social media, but that that's not true. But the majority of people yeah. have social media because you touched on the fact that there really has to be a balance between digital outreach and mm-hmm. actual in the flesh outreach. Right. And so, exactly. yeah. So how? I mean, it seems like y'all are able to maintain that pretty well with like your your in person programs and also you know what what mm-hmm. you're doing online. Um, so it coming up, I say coming up, I mean, a few months out, y'all have the next Juneteenth celebration, but is there anything going on between, uh, then and now, or is it kind of like everybody's waiting in anticipation for Juneteenth? (laughs) We're trying to get get past, I'm trying to get past now. Oh, (laughs) no, uh, um, uh, there was a part done today where we're working with the League of Women Voters, where they're doing that March on uh, March for the vote. March fifth, March March for the vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're one of the partnering organizations that'll be participating with that down in Waters Edge Park on on Saturday. Uh, that's something um, you know that's historical, educational, which is you know everything that we're about as well. Um, and that's one of those things where you know maybe they needed a little help, you know, planning and organizing. So we're more than happy to you know make sure that we had someone sit on the board or team that's planning that event. Um, that's in March. Um, one other thing that we try to make sure we do, uh, since we started Juneteenth, and Juneteenth was actually started um, based on trying to fill a void or um, kind yeah. of assist with what was going on in the Hillcrest area because of the bridge and everything that was going on with that. Um, we still want to make sure that we go back to the areas that we were still 
giving back. They were still having something in the area. So we're still talking about doing, we've done it um, two previous years of doing an Easter egg hunt. Just oh. for Easter. Yeah. So we've done something where that used to be the thing, you know, for the neighborhood, you know, now this neighborhood has been, you know, driven out. Um, they're no longer there. There are some. There, there's some there, but it, it's really difficult for you to try to get to it. It's difficult for you to have anything in that. Um, we did like an Easter egg hunt the previous two years where we just gave away books. We gave away money. We gave away candy. There were all kinds of things that we were giving out to the kids and it was well attended. Um, it used mm-hmm. to think that that's what you would do Easter Sunday is go to that park um, as a family. So we wanted to make sure that we kept that up. Um, so that's the next thing that we want to make sure we have on the calendar. Um, because of COVID, we did skip the year of COVID. Of course. Was it 20? I think 20. we also skipped 20. I think we 21. skipped 21 too. Um, we want to make sure we revamp everything to include some of that digital, some of that doing, you know, a drive-by, you know, giveaway, um, how other people kind of revamp their things. We didn't have a chance to kind of revamp some of the programs that we did as far as that one is concerned. So we're going to make sure that we we kind of discuss that and tackle that one as well um, to make sure we have some good And after that, of course, we are having Juneteenth, um, which is a lot <laughs> right now. There's a lot of planning going into that. I think there are, are more moving parts than we're using now. So we might be having something in May um, to kick it off. And then it's supposed to be 10 days in June. Uh, it sounds like we might have June period. <laughs> and, and we pushed our Black History events to June. Right. Right. Which was the whole February. month of Black History Day, right. because the numbers started increasing. So everything that we had for the month of February, we're pushing it to June, June. in addition to what we're already planning for the 10 days of June. Right. Wow. <laughs> so it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot. We were having the Black Exploitation Film Festival. I wanted to ask about this. Yes. Tell me yeah. more about, about this fundraising event. I know it, it's passed. Right. It was in January. Well, we had uh, the January kickoff was a lead up to tell everyone, hey, this is what we're doing every Saturday in February for Black History Month. We're having a Black Exploitation Film Festival and you can catch one every Saturday at our draft house. So the one in January was just a kickoff. We did a popular film like Shaft um, just to let them know, here's the schedule and lineup for February. Um, So we had to push February back um, just because of, you know, the numbers and and everything that was going on. Of course. So we it in June, these four films. But the premise was, I I had always seen, um, you know, some of the drive-in theaters that we used to have, you know, that are no longer exist here in Corpus and things like that. Um, The exploitation era is not well known and not many people are educated on what happened at that time. They're not educated on how that time period actually saved Hollywood, period. Many people don't know that. Those films, those actors, those people that were found for these roles, like Richard Roundtree was not a known person before he got shot. He was just on the model call and got picked. And now you know Richard Roundtree by name. Oh yeah, icon. Yeah, every not many people know that or know that that's how that happened. Um, you have some stories that have come out, like the recent one as far as Dolomite that Eddie Murphy was in that explains what the struggle was, but not many people know that at all. 
So Alamo had approached us about doing a fundraiser. And so I pitched it to the young lady that's over Alamo as far as their, their fundraising initiative. And she was excited. And so I got excited too. And I said, well, you think that's something that we could actually, you know, do and show that many films? She was like, yeah, we can definitely do that. I'll hop on it now. And so we talked about it. It was supposed to happen the year of COVID. And so we had to push it back and push it back and push it back until now. Um, but it just started with us having a discussion with her and she was excited about it. Um, and so, you know, the rest of our people, um, even some of our people didn't understand, you know, hey, I don't know about, you know, Dolomite or, you know, that film's a little raunchy and things like that. But once they kind of did some research and I showed them a few articles and things like that, they understood too. So that's what we'll be having in June is those four films will be shown in June at Alamo Draft House as a fundraiser for us too. Wow. Okay. So uh, is it more information to come or where can people get more information? Okay. More information to come. Yeah. The information will be on the website. Um, We're still going to stick with selling selling tickets on Eventbrite. Um, We're just waiting to to change the contracts. Basically. Um, We have to reconfirm those dates that we want in June. And then um, we've already done everything, the graphics and things like that. We're just waiting on the contracts to, to change and sign them in and then we'll put that information out. We've had a lot of people that have come on social media. I've had phone calls, um, people trying to buy the tickets now for then. <laughs> so I'm thinking like, okay, goodness, I don't think we can sell this far out, but I want to make sure that we do put that information out where we're having that in June. So that's why I said like we're technically Juneteenth is going to be a whole lot larger than what we've had in the past, um, especially since we've kind of branched out. We're also trying to plan um, like an HBU fair, probably in May is what we're discussing. There are a lot of things we're discussing yes. um, that we get get, get done uh, for Juneteenth. And, and originally we, we only did a three-day type Juneteenth from Friday through Sunday. Uh, but Dr. Gloria Randall Scott, who had been doing the 10 days, of Juneteenth from the 9th through the 19th, she's relocating back to Houston, Texas. So she approached our uh, organization on last year to see if we can continue doing the 10 days that she used to do. So not only do we do the weekend, we're now doing 10 days of Juneteenth. So 2021 was our first try at um, having events for 10 whole days from the 9th through the 19th. And so there were pros and cons. And so that's some of the... um, some of the things that we're looking at, like some they mentioned uh, in May, you know, we did a college fair for students who just, you know, cannot go and visit campuses and so forth. We want those institutions to come here in Corpus Christi so that both parents and the students are able to talk to the uh, schools here. So uh, we did it around June, which at that time, most students are graduating or have graduated and all the graduation parties are going on. So attendance wasn't really what we wanted. So we're looking at pushing it back either April or May uh, to have the fair. Right. Whoa. I, uh, y'all have a solid <laughs> yeah, calendar. Like we got a lot of moving parts every month. <laughs> yes. But I, I will say this. From, from Alamo, the kickoff at Alamo uh, Draft House, we did pick up uh, about six new members. So, you know, people are getting out there. They want to participate. Yes. And even on the Juneteenth committee, uh, I mean, Juneteenth, uh, I have members from the community who want to be a part of the committee whether they're a tapping member or not. So mm-hmm. that's fantastic. 
I'm, I'm just excited. <laughs> oh, and rightfully so. And I'm glad you brought up that you had gotten six new members just from, from that. And so my next question actually was, you know, how, how do people become involved? You know, how, how can they um, become a member or, you know, just assist, volunteer, whatever it, it may be? Okay. Well, yeah, um, our, our membership application is on our website, uh, under the website that you um, said before. Um, membership is very simple. You fill out the application, we only charge $25. Low compared to most organizations. Definitely. $25 for the year. Um, that covers you for the year. Um, and, and we've had many people join us from different, you know, organizations. They're not all higher ed. We have one now. She's our VP of programming and she's a nurse, a retired nurse. So, you know, she's filling a void that we needed as far as someone that could do programming for us. Like now we have these 13 sites where we need programming and a calendar set, you know, throughout the year to make sure we're having programs after we sign this MOU. So it, it's easy to join and be a member. And as far as our meetings, we meet the second Thursday of every month. Uh, via Zoom. Um, we have not gone back to in-person since COVID started. Um, we have had, like she said, um, a membership retreat that we had in Rockport where we planned out different things for the year. Um, it's fairly simple to be a member and you can contact any member. Um, I know Jennifer is one. Um, she's handling some of our marketing and she's also performing the duties of secretary. Mm -hmm. So, she's reached out to a number of people, you know, hey, have you heard about Taffy and different things like that? But Jennifer has been involved with us, you know, years before she's yeah. helped different things. Yeah, as a volunteer, yeah. Yeah, she's volunteered she's before. Mm -hmm. So now she's a member and now she's a part of the executive. Secretary. Board. Yeah, she's a secretary on our board. Um, so it, it's, I think we've always been very open to anyone that wants to join us or be a part of us. Um, mm -hmm. Thing I will say is I and just to put it out, I would love to see more males okay. involved with having yeah. a bunch of females mm -hmm. leading the way and the charge. <laughs> right, right. So we would like any male listeners too to volunteer and also participate in joint Taffy as well. Yeah. And we do have what one or two. I know Dr. James Klein is one of Dr. our Klein, uh, yeah. and he has been in there for the long haul. We try not oh. to work our males too much. Right. But some of the women will bring their husbands, you know, they don't officially join, but they help. Them, yes, they're involved. You know? Yes. Yeah, so so we do have some involved, they're just not per se a member. Mm -hmm. But we make them an honorary member. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Uh but thank yeah. you for putting that out there because you know, I, I feel like it's that's kind of uh what what would you say like like almost traditional for volunteers yes. mostly to be performed mm -hmm. uh or memberships of nonprofits are are right. traditionally women at least any that I've kind of you know talked talked to uh people about um so that's an important message right. and uh, I'm really glad mm -hmm. that y'all shared that um right. uh Tina Simone y'all are incredible your organization is <laughs> amazing you. i am so grateful for what you brought to corpus christi uh, what you're continuing to do for corpus christi um i just listened to everything you have planned and i'm like y'all are on another <laughs> level um for, for anybody that's listening and you want to get involved please visit the taffy website um they also have social media accounts um get in contact uh it looks like there there's a a, a link to donate as well if people want to donate 
Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, if you want to help at all, please, this organization's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And um, I just appreciate you ladies so much. And, and I can't wait to continue to see you thrive. And, and if I can add, tell them to look for our Juneteenth um, headlines. We are in the yes. process of signing contracts with uh, artists who will be our headliners. Uh, June 17th, we'll be having a black and white dinner and dance at the Omni Hotel. Uh, and then on June 18th is the big community festival. So uh, we can't announce their names just yet, uh, but maybe by Friday we will be able to. Uh, and I'm sure people will want to get their tickets early. Yes. Oh, and, and question, because I saw that when you go to the Juneteenth link on the website, is it still possible for people to be sponsors or is that kind of... Yes. Okay. Yes. So anybody that yes. wants to, to sponsor as sponsor. well, please get in contact. And you have some big sponsors. Yes. Yes, and hoping to get more. We have a goal in mind. I have a goal in mind uh, that we need to meet this year, but I, I think we may do it. But like I said, once we uh, announce our uh, headliners, I think uh, sponsorship may come. Yeah, this is so exciting. Yeah. Well, I have no doubt based on the little that I know about you that any <laughs> any goal you set, you oh, yeah. definitely will achieve. I said, I think once I get a Grammy artist here, I will feel I have arrived. Oh, <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so everybody be on the lookout for this. This is very exciting. Um, thank you, ladies, again. I really appreciate your time. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. <laughs>